Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, and there's no Nick Pollock today. There's no Matt Filipovitz. There is no one who is usually on to discuss Penn State football with me because we're not talking about Penn State football today. We are talking about Penn State basketball. The Nittany Lions at 16-11 on the year, fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament. And uh, to talk about it with me, my man Vincent Lungaro uh, here to t- discuss. And Vincent, like, I- I'd ask how you're doing, but like you and I were talking about a second ago, there's like this weird nervous energy because Penn State is on the bubble, and I forgot what that felt like. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's a weird feeling this time of year. I feel like it doesn't come around very often with Penn State basketball. You know, maybe maybe the Micro Shrewsbury area can change that moving forward. But but yeah, man. I mean, we mentioned it before the show. Watching UNC and NC State this weekend. You know, I've been paying attention to Nevada games like all of a sudden. Like it's it's just really weird paying attention to other teams on the bubble when something is at stake with the, when them when they're playing. Uh, uh, for Penn State. Yeah, and what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a bit about just the state of play for Penn State basketball right now. We're going to do some a little bit of general chat. We're going to look at the next, uh, the final four games of Penn State season, and then we're. But in between that, we're going to talk about why we think Penn State will and will not make the NCAA tournament. Vincent and I put together lists to kind of. Uh, run through the three reasons why we both think, again, Penn State will and will not make it. But just to give everyone the state of play, the Nittany Lions at this point are 16-11 and on a two-game winning streak, uh, having just beaten Illinois and Minnesota in their last two games to move to 7-9 and in Big Ten play and the year at Ohio State this week, uh, home against Rutgers on Sunday at Northwestern next week, and then home against Maryland to wrap up the year, and that's it. Once that happens, Penn State's regular season is over. As of now, obviously a lot can change. They are the last team in Joe Lenardi's next four out. They are the second team in Jerry Palm's first four out. And Vincent, before we dive into why we will and will we think Penn State will and will not make the tournament, just generally, how have we felt about this team up to this point in the season? Are they doing about what you expected coming in? Are they overachieving? Are they underachieving? Just as you sit here and you look back on the last uh, 27 games of Penn State basketball with at least four more on the horizon, where's your head at? I think it's uh, the most accurate way to say it is it's been a roller coaster from beginning to end. <laughs> Um, you know, I tweeted out the other day, it's like that gift from the Godfather part two. Everything I, every time I think I'm out on Penn State basketball, they always somehow pull me back in. And, you know, I'm firmly, obviously, as we just talked about, looking at bubble, bubble games and bubble teams and whatnot. But I'd probably say, you know, to start the season, they're about where I expected them to be. Um, and obviously with the caveat at times this season, you know, I thought, oh, wow, you know, they should probably make the NCAA tournament, you know, once, once the non-con wrapped up. And then there were points where, you know, just a week and a half ago, I was saying, well, this team is is going to struggle to even make the NIT. So they're probably about where I expected them to be at the at the beginning of the season. But there have definitely been some highs and lows, uh, you know, along the way. Yeah, I, I think what I'll say about this team coming into this season is the obvious part of it is they came into this team as the oldest, the most D1 experience of any team 
in the Ken Palm era. Dating back to 2002, there has never been a team older than Penn State. Obviously, a lot of that is due to COVID years and grad transfers and all that sorts of things. But what I will say, and this, these are two things that will kind of go hand in hand. They are exceeding my expectations that I did not expect Penn State's offense to be this good. Number 17 in the country per Ken Palm, sixth in effective field goal percentage, you know, uh, in terms of point distribution on Ken Palm, which is where their points come from. Only one other team in college basketball gets more of their points from behind the three-point line than the Nittany Lions, and that is Chattanooga. So to that extent, I've been really happy with this team, and they have exceeded my expectations. They haven't really met my expectations on defense, and this will be a thing we talk about as the pod goes on, because I looked back on last year's team. Last year's Penn State team was 50th in uh, defensive efficiency per Ken Palm, and so much of that comes down to the fact that they had John Hara, and, and to a lesser extent, Greg Lee, but mostly John Hara at center. Penn State's defense is just so good when it has someone who kind of understands what they need to do on defense, who has that physicality, that toughness, that sort of thing, anchoring things. And there's that buy-in from everyone on the perimeter. And one thing we've heard from Micah Shrewsbury throughout this season is his level of disappointment in the willingness in his guys to guard. So what, what, first off, let's start by just talking about Penn State's offense. I think, and Vincent, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think that if Penn State makes it to the NCAA tournament, I think they have the kind of offense that on their day can get them to the second weekend. I think that highly of Penn State's ability to shoot the basketball and not give the basketball to the other team. What do you say? Would you, is that something you'd agree with? Do you think this Penn State offense is the kind of offense that is just kind of built for the weirdness of tournament basketball. Yeah, it's it's funny you 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 mentioned this because that that was one of my reasons where they will make the tournament. So I'll get a, a little more into it then when we go through those. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a team when you have whenever you look at the NCAA tournament, there's always a team that can just shoot the crap out of the ball from three point land, and they make it to the second weekend, winning ninety seven ninety one, and then ninety three ninety. You know, it's just. It's just one of those teams, and I think when you have a guy like someone like Andrew Funk, who has has gone off before this season a couple of different times, you know, other games he's quiet, but he's he's a guy who can get thirty if 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 you know if he's really shooting well from the three point line. So yeah, this is a team that if they catch fire, they they live and die by the three. But if if they catch fire from three, they can absolutely you know uh, make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament if they get there. Yeah, and well. With what you just said about saving stuff, I think it is probably best that we save that. So let's talk instead about the guys around Jalen Pickett, because I Mm -hmm. think Pickett is the guy. My guess is that when we go through our three reasons Penn State will make it, Jalen Pickett is going to come up a lot. So let's talk about these other guys on Penn State's roster. What have you kind of made on – of the way Penn State has, or Micah Shrewsbury specifically, has built this team because I continue to, you know, I don't know if I have the stomach for, uh, you know, the potential of Penn State having to go up uh, in the NCAA tournament against, say, a Drew Timmy or something like that, or, uh, you know, insert very good uh, college basketball big man here. But 
I think that they have built, Micah Shrewsbury has built a team around Jalen Pickett that exists to amplify what Pickett does so well. And then it basically just comes down to if the threes are going to fall on a given day. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I think I think we've seen that more over the past couple of games too. I think he's Michael Shrewsbury has gone a lot smaller. I think we've le- we've seen less Kevajai. We've seen you know Mikey Hen in spots a little less of Evan Mahaffey at the five, and and he's just really leaned into the fact that look, we're not going to to bully ball anybody down low offensively or defensively. Let's let's lean into our three point shooting ability. Let's lean into the fact that Jalen Pickett can score on anyone. He can drive against anyone. He can post people up. He can get his shoulder into someone and take it to the rim. Like let's that I feel like that's where Micah Shrewsbury's head has been at these last few games is let's just play into the strengths of of what we have and especially with an all American candidate in Jalen Pickett. It's it's just this offense has been tailor made from him. He's been driving, he's been kicking. Seth Lundy has played really well the last month or so. He's a guy who you look at wherever they end up at the end of the season, he's someone I think has deserved, you know, getting to the NCAA tournament just by his mm-hmm. level of play um in recent weeks so yeah i think you're absolutely spot on i think they've built this offense around jalen pick jalen pickett um you know as more and more as the season has gone on and he's obviously shown he can he can carry the load yeah last uh couple of games specifically for pickett uh, weren't i i've never seen a run like this for a penn state player uh, against illinois 41 points uh two rebounds eight assists against Minnesota, 32 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, two turnovers in each game. He was named the National Player of the Week uh, by the – he won the Oscar Robertson Trophy, Big Ten Player of the Week, March Madness National Player of the Week, Lute Olsen National Player of the Week award, Field of 68. Everyone has given this guy his flowers. And when we talk about Pickett in a second, we're going to talk about kind of the gravity that he has and – why I basically think this team is at its best when, you know, we mentioned Kevin Jai, we mentioned Mikey Hen, mm-hmm. even mentioned Evan Mahaffey to an extent. I My argument is going to be that when Miles Dredd is in at center, we get the best version of this Penn State basketball team. But we'll get to all that in a second. First, I want to just say, how does it feel? You, we talked about this a tiny bit, Vincent, but just how does it feel to see a Penn State team on the bubble? How does it feel to be sitting here for the first – if you want to say 2020 doesn't really count because they were making the tournament, I would mm-hmm. get that. If you want to say for the first time since 2018, fine. If you want to go all the way back and say the first time since 2011, even more fine. How does it feel to you as a Penn State basketball fan to sit here and see a Penn State team that has – such incredible strengths and such potentially fatal flaws sitting on the NCAA tournament bubble. Yeah, it's it's um it's an exciting feeling, but but obviously a nervous one anytime they step on the court because as you say, they have, you know, in any given game they can score, you know, 80, 90 points like they have, you know, against Michigan, against Illinois, and then at the same time lay an egg against Wisconsin at home somehow, lay an egg against Nebraska on the road you know, kind of sweat it out against Minnesota on the road. So this team, you know, this team can beat anybody and lose to anybody. And I think that's what the exciting part is. I guess exciting from a neutral standpoint and watching them every single every single game. But, yeah, it's it's an exciting feeling, I think. I, I'd agree with you. I think the last time they were a bubble team, yeah, they were getting in in 2020. And, and obviously, you know, we, people were robbed of that and, and a lot of other things. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think 2018, I don't think 2018 was the same because – 
that team they had so many uh bad losses and they had a stretch there where they they couldn't win any any significant games and really their only chance was winning uh getting to the Big 10 tournament final and probably winning the Big 10 tournament that year whereas this team is these last four games and especially and and we'll get into this uh, a little bit more here in a second these last four games have a tremendous opportunity for resume building and mm-hmm. i don't think that's something that 2018 team had down the stretch as much which is why they're they were so you know built uh you know built around having to go far in the Big Ten tournament. Whereas, is this team? I think if if they can finish strong here, there's there's a realistic chance and, and a case for them um, to be on the right side of the bubble when when everything you know uh, settles here in a couple weeks for Selection Sunday. Yeah, God, I I will take to my grave, and I've said this on the pod before <laughs> that the 2018 team by no means should have made the NCAA tournament, but if they did, they were going to walk Absolutely. to the second weekend with Absolutely. how good those guys were against. Yep. But, but but before we talk about the NCAA tournament, uh, we have some bills that we need to pay. And the way we do that is by thanking the podcast sponsor, Homefield Apparel. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, you know about Homefield Apparel. If you're a listener of this podcast, you know of Homefield Apparel. But if this is your first time tuning in, you know you've been looking for some Penn State Hoops content. We're giving it to you finally. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate brand apparel brand based out of lovely Indianapolis, Indiana. They are fans of the Indiana Hoosiers, which to talk about Penn State basketball, Indiana lost by 19 points today. Uh, The shirts in the, basically all their apparel are comfortable, unique. The designs are really cool. I'm currently wearing uh, my Happy Valley shirt from Homefield Apparel. I love it. It's some of my favorite gear. Vincent, do you have any, uh, do you have any stuff from Homefield? I do. I have a Fiesta Bowl Duel in the Desert t-shirt. From Hell yeah, States. brother! Probably one of my favorite Penn State shirts that I have. It's it's awesome. Well, listen, you get the chance to buy something from Homefield Apparel. We highly recommend it, especially if you're getting something from their Penn State collection, which is 15 pieces of apparel in all. If you don't want to get something from the Penn State collection, that's fine. They have plenty of good stuff for other schools. We just highly recommend you get something from Penn State. If you are a new customer and you've never purchased from Homefield Apparel before, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Again, if you are a new customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you again to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. Let's get into talking about this Penn State team and why it will and will not make the NCAA tournament. And I want to start with the positive, Vincent. And what I'm thinking is you give a reason, I give a reason, you give a reason, I give a reason, you give a reason, I give a reason. So I cede the floor to you. I think your number one reason is going to be my number one reason. What is your number one reason? Mine, it's 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 pretty obvious. I think my number one reason why they will is is Jalen Pickett. I mean, that, I don't that, know. I, I will just say that is my number one reason as well. <laughs> yeah. This is going really well, but yeah, go ahead. Let's let's talk a little bit about Pickett. Yeah, I mean, I I could talk about Jalen Pickett for for hours, and it, it, I wouldn't get bored. He's just I don't know. Like I, I'm not someone who gets into the rankings of all-time players and stuff like that, but I I just think you can't mention his name without saying he's probably one of the five or ten best players Penn State basketball's ever had. I don't, I don't know if we've seen someone like him maybe since the Taylor Battle days, and even then, I, I don't think he's Taylor Battle got the, the national recognition that we've, we've seen Jalen Pickett get this season. I mean, he's up for, uh, I believe, the Naismith Award, different, different national awards. You know, he should be an All-American. He should be a first-team All-Big Ten. He's Big Ten Player of the Week this week. I mean, he's just he's just so good and it's 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 tough to put into words how good he is um it, he's just 
he, yeah, he's, he can do everything. And, and obviously he's someone who can shoulder the loads. I mean, he lo- he leads Penn state in, in scoring assists, rebounds, steals. I mean, field goal, perc- like everything that Penn state has stat wise, he's the one that leads them in it. And it's every single night he has to be the guy. And especially these last two games where like Penn state season, if they don't beat Illinois and they don't beat Minnesota, there's just absolutely no way they probably make the NCAA tournament right. outside of winning the Big Ten tournament. And he came up – I mean, he scored – how many against Illinois was it? 40, 41. 41 against Illinois, who – Illinois last year I won the Big Ten in the regular season. And I know you know, they lost some guys, obviously, Kofi Coburn. But, I mean, still, Illinois is, is probably one of the four most talented teams in the Big Ten. He just – he just single-handedly beat them, and it's just – it's just so impressive every single night. He's he's that dude for Penn State, and they need him to be. He stepped up, and you know we always see it in college basketball. There's a guy who you know Jimmer for dead or someone like that. You know who just catches fire, leads his team to the big t- to the NCAA tournament, and you know no matter what, he's he's been able to step up for Penn State, and and he's just been just phenomenal to watch. Yeah. So before we were uh, a humble podcast. Uh, only a humble podcast. We were a humble website. And while we were a humble website, uh, Vincent, you would uh, go to games, you'd cover the team for us, and you were around them, you know, more than anybody else. What stuck out about Pickett in being around the team, even if it was just in press conferences and being able to watch them from where you were on press row? Like, was it was it evident to you that Penn State had the kind of guy who is capable of putting the entire program on his shoulders and saying, I am getting us to where we want to go? I don't know if I expected him to reach these heights. I mean, I don't know if – I don't even think Micah Shrewsbury expected that. But when covering the team, you know, even closer last year, everyone always said that no one is going to outwork Jalen Pickett. He's always striving to get better. And then – I know that sounds cliche because athletes say that, you know, getting 1% better every day. But, I mean, with everyone saying, I mean, you just absolutely believed him. And somehow he's taken his game from last year when he was really, really good last year. Yes. And he's taken it to an even bigger level. And you can obviously see that, you know, everyone's saying that he puts in the work every single day to, to improve. You know, it's not just jargon. They, they, they absolutely believed it. And, you know, we're seeing the results on the court. Um, I certainly didn't didn't expect him to be you know an All American candidate when he signed down to Penn State um, from Siena, but I, I think the 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 vibe around the team around Jalen Pickett was always one that this guy this guy is going to be pretty special for us. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that when the chips fell were completely down after that Maryland game when they're sitting mm-hmm. at fourteen and eleven after a tough loss in College Park, which came off of the heels of a tough loss against Wisconsin at home, which came off the heels of a tough loss in Lincoln. You know, after that Purdue game, which you expect Penn State to lose to Purdue. Yep. You maybe don't expect Mason Gillis to, you know, shoot a million threes and make all of them. You maybe just expect Zach Eady to get the ball down low, hook shot, you know, do Zach Eady stuff. After that game, Penn State was at 14-8 and eight and 5-6 and six in the Big Ten. It was all there for Penn State. And then they hit a bit of a slide. And in that slide, Pickett was good. Eh, Pickett was fine. 15 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists against Nebraska. 17, 8 rebounds, 8 assists against Wisconsin. 15, 
three rebounds, five assists, assists against Maryland. He was fine in those games. I don't think it is a coincidence that you were correct, I think. Once the Illinois game came around, that's when it was, all right, boys, it's winning time. If we want to make the NCAA tournament, we have to kick on now. Mm-hmm. Pickett has found this extra, extra, extra gear in his game. I don't think I have ever seen a player. I, I have, eh, I've, I've probably seen college guards who were able to dominate the game from the post like Pickett. One thing I alluded to a little while ago is that I think Penn State is at its best when Miles Dredd is able to play center, when he's able to use that big old frame of his to hold up against big men on the defensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Because when Penn State is able to put four shooters around Jalen Pickett, you are screwed. Because Pickett is at 6'4", 209, a big, strong, long, physical, savvy guy who is good at getting into the painted area and just has this bag of tricks. He has the fall away. He has the up and under. He has all these little things. If you don't help on him, he is going to kill you with that stuff. If you do help on him, what I think Micah Shrewsbury has brought to this Penn State team and has built this Penn State team to do is work around the fact that Pickett is the best facilitator in college basketball. When they get the ball down to Pickett and someone comes and helps, and it turns into a game of four-on-three on the perimeter, Pickett is so good at just making those quick, snappy decisions to see the guy who is open, get him the ball, get the defenses scrambling, and suddenly you are getting a wide-open look from Tate. The way that they have built around what he can do on offense truly, truly is special. And then you have to talk about, I would say, his uh, development on that end on the floor. Last year, Pickett took 236 twos. He made 48.3% of them. Uh, In conference play, that was 173 twos and 486% of them. 48.6% of them. This year, He's taken 292 twos on the season and has made 57.2% of them. He's made a hun- taken 180 in Big Ten play and has made 59.4% of them. He's become better inside the arc. He's become better outside the arc. His 37.8% clip from behind the three-point line is the best of his career, and he's hitting 43.1% of his shots from three, which if you're getting that kind of production from Jalen Pickett, he's hitting threes in big 10 play at a better clip than Andrew Funk. Funk is obviously on a more far more insane volume. Mm. So to me, Vincent, if Penn state is going to make the NCAA tournament, it is because coming into this season, Micah Shrewsbury and Jalen Pickett made the decision that Penn state was going to build around what he does so well build an offense around what he is capable of doing. And so far, I don't know how you could say anything other than he's delivered. The guy is going to be a first team, all American guard from the Penn state Nittany Lions. I don't know what else you can say other than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that sums it up. You know, it might've been, you know, they might've come to that conclusion out of necessity a little bit given, you know, their, their lack of options in, in the front court. But I think you're absolutely right. I think they've, 
they've again they've played to his strengths so well. And as you as you were rattling off those numbers, I look back to the stats from last year too. He's also averaging three more assists per game this year than he did yep. last year. So like, it's crazy that his his shooting numbers are better. He, he's taken obviously more shots from the three point land, and and he's also gotten better facilitating the ball. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's just there's some things you can't teach with a basketball player, and that innate split ability. You know, when you drive the paint to find the open guy, whether it's Andrew Funk, Seth Lundy, Malachek, whoever it may be, you know, you, you just can't teach something like that. He's just, yeah, he's just a special, special player. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully, I how many garbage Syracuse teams have we seen make the NCAA tournament because the committee just wants to see Jim Beheim's team in it? Hopefully, the committee is a little bit more forgiving of the fact that this Penn State team has some flaws, you know, might not have the Sterling resume because they just want this All-American in it. If Penn State can give them enough of a reason to uh, warrant being added to the field. I, it's not, it would, it is not a crime to see a team in Joe Lenardi's first four out eventually make it into the field. So, you know, knock on wood. Let's get to your second reason. What is the second reason that you think Penn State will make the NCAA tournament? Uh, yeah, my second reason is, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, is resume resume building is still there for them. You know, they, yeah. they, their last four games, I think Ohio State might have just fell from a quad one to, to quad two. But at any rate, you know, it still might be looked at as a quality win. Ohio State is not very good, but you have that opportunity. And it's a road game, which they haven't won too much on the road this year. So that, that presents that opportunity. And then you get, obviously, um, you, you get Rutgers at home, and, and you were really close. Um, for a bit against Rutgers on the road, and then they obviously just just smothered Penn State. Penn State only scored 45 points, but beating Rutgers, who probably is the third best team in the Big Ten behind Purdue and Indiana, um, there at the top, I, I think would be just a huge boost. And then obviously the the big one I think is is Northwestern on the road. I I don't think Northwestern is is that good watching them. Thank I, you. I just think they're a part Thank you. of the Big Ten being a down team this year. I, Penn State could easily beat Northwestern. Not easily, but they can beat Northwestern on the road if they play their best. And then Maryland at home. Penn State always beats Maryland at least once every season. So <laughs> you'd have to figure that they're going to be able to beat them at home this year in, in the in the finale. And that'll be senior day. So that'll be a big deal for, for Jalen Pickett, for Seth Lundy, for Miles Dredd. They're, they'll want to go out with a win. Um, so the my second reason would be those resume-building opportunities. You've got Northwestern, Maryland, and Rutgers. And then if you want to throw Ohio State in there as, as a quad one, maybe a quad two win. Um, you win four of those, even three of those games. I, I I think you 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 make a really good case that this this is an NCAA tournament team. And 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 going back to your point about the committee, you know maybe just getting them in because they can see someone like Jalen Pickett, like going off in the tournament. I mean Trey Young in Oklahoma, a couple years ago were really not that good. They were on the bubble, I think. Lenardi might have had them like last four in and they ended up being like an eight or a nine seed somehow because the NCAA tournament valued Trey Young just going off for 45 points every night because they knew it was must see TV. So they, they talk about analytics and all that a lot. And, and obviously that's important to the committee, but, but they're also basketball fans and they want to see the best players make the NCAA tournament. And, and Jalen Pickett is one of the better players. So um, that was a long-winded answer, but going back yeah. to, to to my second bullet point, there would be yeah they have resume building opportunities down the stretch to to really uh, bump beef up their their resume. Yeah, my third answer was opportunities for big wins, and uh, so we're kind of on the same wavelength here. There are four remaining games. One is against 
the coldest team in the big. Ohio State looks like a team that has quit on this season. Yep. And I say that now, and I'm sure now uh, Bryce Sensabaugh is going to go for 40 and make me look <laughs> stupid. But one of the flaw, big flaws that this Penn State team has from a resume perspective is they have been a garbage team on the road this year. Mm. Uh, when you look at how Penn State's uh, set up in the net ranking, they are 58th in the net. Uh their home record, 12-3, and three, neutral site, 2-1. and one. And that home record includes the Purdue game. Uh, so if you want to say 12-2 and two in the Bryce Jordan Center, 2-2 two and two neutral, whatever, go ahead. They are 2-7 and seven on the road this season. And their, first, their penultimate Big Ten road game is against a team that has been garbage this year. <laughs> a team that uh, has lost 8 in a row and, nine, 10, thir- and 13 of their last 14. Ohio State is 3-13. and 13 in Big Ten play on the season. Somehow they beat Rutgers and Northwestern to go to 2-0 and on the year in Big Ten play, and that's just been all downhill from there. So we'll look past that game, and then look at their final three games. What are they? Two chances to beat teams that beat them mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Rutgers is a really tough basketball team. The way that they defend, I don't know if Penn State has much of an answer uh, for Cliff Amori. Uh, like just like in the last game, Amori had uh, 16 points and 10 rebounds. I swear that he had that by halftime. Penn State scored 45 total points. It was a really nasty basketball game. But we've seen Northwestern start to hobble a bit uh, down the stretch. They lost by six to Indiana on the road, lost by nine to Illinois on the road. They got Wisconsin on the road, but there's also a home loss to Nebraska uh put in there so Rutgers is starting to look a little bit flimsy uh they're 28th in net that would be the kind of win that Penn State's resume could just really use and then obviously Maryland will be another team like that they are 24th in net uh they've been very bad on the road this year they are also two and seven in road games this season Rutgers is three and six uh defense travels better than offense folks I, I think that they have the opportunity. If you can beat, if you can get three wins in there, mm-hmm. if you can win your two home games and snag the Ohio State game, suddenly you're talking about a Penn State team that is ending the year, you know, assuming there's a loss in North, again, we're just saying three, that's 10 and 10 in Big Ten play. In a year that, yes, the Big Ten is down, but even while the Big Ten is down, Joe Lenardi has them getting nine teams. And Jerry Palm, uh, I don't have his number. I would imagine he has something pretty similar. And then, like you mentioned, I don't think Northwestern is very good. Uh, I think it going to Welsh Ryan and winning, it's always a tricky place to win. But Northwestern does a very bad job at defending the three-point line, and it would not shock me if Penn State kind of just – one or two guys get hot and give Northwestern some trouble in that game. Penn State's going to have to figure out how to deal with some of the size Northwestern has, but you know, we'll get to that in a second. But as I'm looking down the stretch here, Vincent, I see a world where Penn State can end the season with either six wins in a row heading into the big 10 tournament or something like five of six heading into the big 10 tournament. And People have short memories, and if you were playing your best basketball by the end of the season, you know, you can maybe get past the fact that you lost to Clemson in double overtime, or you lost to Nebraska, or you had a four-game losing streak. 
Recency bias is a real thing, and recency bias has the potential to favor the Nittany Lions down the stretch. Oh, oh, it absolutely does. I mean, the committee always says, oh, we look at the longevity of a team's schedule, but, but it's, it's just human nature to look at what, what a team has done, done recently. And, and if Penn State can end the season five, winning five of six, you know, winning a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, I think their resume would, would stand up against other bubble teams. Um, you know, they, they've, they've proven that they can beat anybody in the country. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, they've, they've beat Illinois twice. You know, Illinois, uh, you know, has had their struggles up and down this season, but they've, Illinois is still going to make the tournament. Indiana is, is really good, and Penn State beat them by, by 18, 19 points. So, you know, Penn State, don't forget, they beat Iowa. Iowa is probably going to make the tournament, I, I think. Lenardi has them in, and then they beat they beat they demolished Michigan, who, um, you know, always seems to play their best basketball down the stretch too. So there's absolutely a world where Penn State, you know, wins five of six down the stretch, does well in the Big Ten tournament, and and all of a sudden, you know, that committee's thinking, wow, these 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 guys deserve a chance to be in here, regardless of you know losing to Virginia Tech, who's fallen off, you know, losing to Clemson, who just lost to Louisville somehow. I don't I don't know how you lose to Louisville this season, but Clemson managed it. Um, yeah, yeah. The recency, the recency of Penn State success, I think, is it could could be a huge factor, enough to to overlook those those blips in the road, you know, earlier in the season. And let's get to your last thing. What is your final reason that you think Penn State will make it? My last thing is is trusting in Michael Shrewsbury. I think hmm. I think he's. You can maybe have a little bit of qualms in in how he built the roster in terms of not enough size, especially down low. I think they probably wanted Kevajai to to develop a little bit better and a little bit quicker this season. Um, he's still a very young player. I'm, I'm sure he has a, a bright future at Penn State. So you can have those qualms about Michael Shrewsbury, but but I don't think you can really question his X's and O's approach. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just he's he's really really good uh, as a coach, and and I think. Down the stretch, you're going to need someone in these in these moments, um, you know, these games where you know teams have scouted you to the end of time. This by this point in the season, you're going to need someone that is going to be able to be to be creative enough in in generating shots for his guys and creative enough to come up with a game plan to to kind of break down a defense that knows you so well. And we saw it in the Big Ten tournament last year. He's proven he can coach, you know, in in a tournament style and you know collect collect a few wins you know back to back um and take purdue last year to the wire so i think i think the trust in michael shrewsbury i think for me is very high that he's going to be able to figure out a way for these guys to to collect a couple more wins down the stretch and get them in the conversation you know once selection sunday rolls around rolls around yeah he's done a, a remarkable job and this kind of goes to the thing that i was going to say which my thing is they can shoot their way into the tournament. Mm-hmm. And to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, Micah understands that the the two most valuable shots in basketball. Uh, there's a book by a guy named Kirk Goldsberry, actually a Penn State graduate. I highly recommend it uh, to anyone who wants to learn a bit more about this called Sprawl Ball, which is about the geography of the NBA court and where you should shoot from and where the most effective, efficient, shot uh most valuable shots are and there are two answers at the rim behind the three-point line and penn state has in jalen pickett a guy who can score at the rim and penn state has in basically everyone else guys who can score from behind the three-point line i've been 
I don't know how much of this is on Micah because I'm I wasn't in the room for recruiting meetings. I've been a bit upset that they haven't gotten a more suitable replacement for John Hara down low. I think uh, a thing that we're surely going to talk about in a second, their struggles on the defensive end of the floor, very largely uh, correlate to the fact that they just don't have a rock back there by John. I like John, but what Micah has done is instead go so far all in on one philosophy, Vincent, mm-hmm. that they've become excellent at it. Penn State is sixth in the country in effective field goal percentage, 10th in the country in three-point field goal percentage, 41st in two-point field goal percentage. They don't commit turnovers. The proportion, the like, uh, yeah, proportion of field goal attempts that they take from behind the three-point line compared to everything else is fifth in the country. 48.1% of their shots are from behind the three-point line. 44.4% of their shots uh, points come from behind the three-point line. Micah has gone all in on this philosophy. And to me, I'm glad that he has done that, and I am glad that they have found a way to maximize that. Because to your point, I think Micah has given in his third year at Penn State, when his first year or second year at Penn State, when his first year at Penn State was coming off of whatever the hell those last two years of Penn State basketball were, and it's just been so fly by the season's pants. I think he's gone all in on a philosophy, and he has done an amazing job going all in on that philosophy and getting these guys on the offensive end of the floor to execute that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, again, I think, I I think he'd probably prefer to have someone down low. That's a little bit more reliable, but you know, that's just the, the, the hand he's been dealt. Um, Obviously not being able to, you know, bring in someone out of the portal. And I think as, as, as you, as you highlighted, I think, his ability to get this team to play a certain style and do it really, really well. I mean, obviously there are going to be nights where Penn State is just flat out cold. Um, you mentioned the Nebraska game, the Rutgers game. There's there's just going to be those nights when you're a team that relies on the three-point line so heavily. But they've just been so impressive in in committing to that style and getting the best out of, I think, what this roster have to, has to offer. He's done really well, I think, in the transfer portal as, as well, You know, getting guys who fit that mold. Andrew Funk was playing at Bucknell. Cam Winter was playing at Drexel. Jalen Pickett was playing at Siena. So, you know, these aren't guys transferring from from Texas or Florida or Louisville, wherever. I mean, these are guys who were in, you know, uh, mid-major programs, and he's got them into this system, and he's gotten to play to their strengths. And, and obviously, this team is in a position where, you know, we're having the bubble conversation in large part because of Michael Shrewsbury, Michael Shrewsbury's ability to get this team playing as a cohesive unit on the offensive end. So let's get into the more negative things. The reasons why we're a little bit skeptical about this Penn State team's ability to make it into the tournament. And again, we'll start with you, Vincent. What's the number one reason that, you know, if we're on, if we're there on selection Sunday and the brackets unveiled and Penn State has nowhere to be seen, you think Penn State is not going to be in the I think I think probably the biggest thing for me is their inability to win away from the Bryce Jordan Center. I think hmm. if if they don't pick up a couple of a road wins here down the stretch, that's definitely going to be something that committee looks at and say, okay, they're really good at home, but they don't travel very well. Their their shooting doesn't travel, what have you. I, so far, their their only road wins 
um, true road wins, I believe, are Illinois and Minnesota. I think they need at least one more of those to, to really give themselves a really good chance. And, uh, you know, they, they miss some opportunities. Again, that Clemson loss on the road, especially given how, how Clemson has been in free fall, losing four or five, doesn't look near as good. And they, they, they really should have probably have won, won that game. And, and also, on, on top of that, when, when you don't perform as well on the road as at home, you got to win your home games. And I think that, that loss to Wisconsin – and yeah. I, I've been texting my friends in, in a group chat we have. We, we talk about Penn State basketball often. Um, <laughs> uh, not always the happiest time in there. But, but I, I bring it up again and again. It's like, man, that home loss to Wisconsin is just so irritating just because Wisconsin's not any good. And you really should have found a way to beat them at home after, after losing to Nebraska on the road. If, if you're going to lose to Nebraska on the road, you've got to have that home win uh, against the Wisconsin team who's, who's not very good this season. So I think the biggest thing for me is if the committee looks at this at this team's schedule and and down the stretch they aren't able to grab one or two of those road wins um, against either uh, Ohio State or Northwestern. I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing that holds them back in the eyes of the committee. Yeah, and you mentioned Wisconsin. It's a Wisconsin team that you know they didn't have them dead to rights or anything, but it was sixty-one to sixty Penn State mm-hmm. with Penn State had the basketball had a chance to win that game and Jalen Pickett just gets called for a charge. I don't have how long it exactly was, but that final three minutes of that game where just no one scored, it was there for the taking for Penn state and they were just not able to do it. I mean, it's been, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. And let me, let me ask you this pure speculation. Why do you think they have struck? Cause I actually went looking for this and I could not find uh, their home versus away splits. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they have struggled so mightily away from the Bryce Jordan Center? It's 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 really tough to to put put a finger on it. You know, I I've looked at it, and you know, there's different games. You know, you look at the Clemson game; they they were on fire offensively on the road. You know, you look at the Rutgers game; they scored 45 points on the road. So it's it's just been a mixed bag, you know, of of not being able to either score or you know, against Michigan they they played well on the road. They played, I think they scored 69 points. Um, in, in that game, it's just it's been a mixed bag about why they haven't been able to win on the road. And I I don't know for a team that's that's as senior laden as they have they are you know as as players like Seth Lundy who was a part of a team that was going to the NCAA tournament in 2020. Jalen Pickett played a lot of basketball, you know uh, Miles Dread, uh, Andrew Funk, Mikey Hen if you want to throw him in there, uh, even Cam Winter to a lesser extent. These are guys who have played a lot of road games. And just for whatever reason, I don't know if, if it's 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 got to be mental at this point, but yeah. but I can't put my finger on one reason why because they've they've lost games where they haven't been able to score on the road, and they've lost games where they've been able to score but couldn't stop anyone on the road. So it's just been a really really weird mixed bag of why they've struggled away from the BJC. I guess the 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 most important the 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 biggest reason would be the BJC is the the best fortress in college basketball. Calm down. Uh, in terms of environment, so I think that that has to be, that has to be the reason. God, they they need to blow that building up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's weird because it really does seem like it just comes down to like like they just don't play with an edge, or there are weird lapses on one end of the floor, or they it's like they let problems build up. Like they miss a couple of shots, they get down on themselves, keep going, keep going, and next thing you know they've made two of their last 12 attempts from behind the three-point line. And that kind of gets into one of my things. We'll get to that in a second. But for me, my number one reason is the defensive end of the floor. Do you have Penn State's defense anywhere on your list of reasons? Uh, 
Um, I did, yes. That, that was my second reason, actually. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go quick and then hand it over to you. Uh, you look at Penn State's defensive numbers, and interestingly enough, they are getting cooked behind the three-point line. They are running into pro- – and not even getting cooked from behind the three. Sorry, I, I, I read that long. They are getting cooked inside the three-point line. Oh, wait, no, I had it right. 34.2% uh, opponents are shooting from three. That is 193rd nationally. That's right around average. It's weird because their national ranking inside the three-point line is 159th. They are actually just slightly, ever so slightly above the national average in terms of two-point field goal percentage. Their issues fall. Their issues come when guys fall asleep from behind on the perimeter for whatever reason. Guys getting lost in the sauce, uh, struggling to chase guys on screen. I think teams have started to identify two guys specifically in Andrew Funk and Cameron Winter as guys that you can run off of screens, as guys who maybe they lose a dude here and there. You look at a guy like Kanye Clary. He's not particularly big. You run him into a couple of screens. He's going to run into some trouble. They've been giving Clary a little bit more uh, run. And they're not compensating in any way. They're not good at blocking shots. Uh, they are 296th nationally in block percentage. They're not good at forcing steals. They are 326th in steal percentage. In all, their adjusted defensive efficiency is 127th nationally. Uh, not certain where that ranks in the Big Ten. I don't believe it's particularly high. Uh, yes, Iowa is worse. Minnesota is worse. And then Penn State. So to me, Vincent, Penn State's big problem is for how good their offense is, they have to be able to get stops. If Penn State can get just – maybe they turn every game into uh, – I don't want to say a track meet because Penn State doesn't play fast. If Penn State just wants to outscore opposing teams, God bless them. But at a certain point, the rubber's going to hit the road. They're going to have to hit shots. I don't know if they're going to do that. It, what – what concerns you the most about Penn State's defense as you look at them, as you watch them, and you see the various flaws that they have? Yeah, it, it, it comes down to if, if they don't have a post presence defensively. So if you're going to get killed on the glass, if you're going to allow teams to score 30 points in the paint every single night with relative ease, then you, you somehow have to find a way to switch up your defense in a way. So, you know, your jumping passing lanes, as you mentioned, get, getting more steals, you know, running off shooters on the three-point line, something. You, you have to do something that compensates for not being able to defend much in the post. And if you're bad in the post and around the perimeter, then it, there, you just have very small margin for, for error. And, and, and especially on a night when, when you're not shooting well, then mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to win. We, we saw it against Nebraska where, you know, they let a guy who averages 10 points a game in, in Kaminaga uh, go off for 30 and and Purdue Mason Gillis you know I mean take your pick of Wisconsin players that do nothing and then seemingly have a career night against Penn State it feels like it happens every single season so yeah. it, it, you you have to find a way to 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 get more creative defensively I feel like than you know just allowing teams to score on you at will down low and also at the same time have have the better of you you know when when they're shooting three point three pointers yeah I think losing John Hara, they were going, it was going to be impossible for them to replace him no matter what. I mean, just what he meant for this program 
in so many ways beyond what he does in the basketball court. They were never going to be able to act, you know, completely replace him. But the thing that I think John was so good at was organizing and rallying the troops and that kind of thing. John always knew where he needed to be on the court. He always knew where to stand. Last year, Penn State allowed opposing teams to shoot 45.6% on twos. That was 29th in college basketball. And a lot of this stemmed from the fact that John just knew how to, where to stand, how to organize things on defense, where this guy needs to be, where that guy needs to be. He's willing to yell at them. He's willing to get them into their spots. And Penn State just lacks that. They lack his solidity in the back too. I mean, I think Kevin and Jai started to take some nice steps forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, still as a way to go, but I think he has been better uh, than he was earlier in the season. I think Michael Hen, I think he knows basically where he needs to stand on the floor, but I don't think he's nearly athletic enough to be able to hold up. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a particularly quick or fast guy. And Miles Dreads at 6'4", 235 you know he's got a big ass and you can't shove him around too easily but you can go over the top of him so i i think losing a guy like that and losing a guy who you know you think about who who can be the quarterback of the defense who can be that middle linebacker who goes you're here you're here you're here here's what they're trying to do get there get there constant communication i think mike has talked about the need for guys to talk and how guys aren't talking enough out there. Well, if there's one thing John Harris did, it was he never shut up. And I think Penn State just lacks that this year. I don't know if they're – let me ask you this. Do you think Penn State is down the stretch? Should we bank on them – you know, getting this steeliness on the defensive end of the floor, do you think their path to salvation is we're just going to score, 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 score? I think at this point in the season, it's it's going to be have, have to be the latter of those two things. I think mm-hmm. they're just going to have to outscore people. Um, you know, obviously you can always tighten things up defensively, but at, at this point, I think in the season, you are who you are. Um, and I think they're just going to have to to live with the fact that there's, they're a team that they're going to have to rely on Jalen Pickett, you know, going off for 25 plus points a game, um, you know, getting contributions from, from Andrew Funk, from Seth Lundy, from the three point line. And I, I think, I think all of your, all of your comments about John Hara are spot on. They just missed that. I, I, the, 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 the term last year that Shrewsbury and players used was that gritty, not pretty, you know, mm-hmm. you know, defensively, I think too, I think they have decent defenders. I don't think Jalen Pickett is a bad defender. Seth Lundy is a really good defender, but, you know, as you alluded to, they don't have that guy in the middle of the paint, you know, directing them, stepping up, taking charges, you know, coming over, playing help side defense. So at, at, at this point in the season, I think they're just going to have to, you know, live with the fact that they're a team that's going to have to to put up a lot of points in order to win games. And, and you know, it's, it's tough to turn that around, you know, so late in the season. Yeah. So there was your second reason. Let me hijack it and give my second reason as mm-hmm. well, which is. For how amazing Jalen Pickett is, if they're going to need him to score 30-plus points and dish out, you know, 8 to 10 assists and provide something in the rebounding spot, if they're at a point where they need Jalen Pickett to be the best player in college, I don't want to say the best guard in the Big Ten, the best player in the – 
if Jalen Pickett has to play like he has the last two games, he is the best player in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And it is a concern to me, a potential concern to me, that he's not going to have the help that he needs or the help around him. And at a certain point, he's just going to run into the wall and provide, and it's, you know, the dream is going to go up in flames. What do you think? Do you think Pickett, do you think banking on Pickett to be at the level he's been at the last two games is something that is sustainable? Or do you think at a certain point, an opposing team is going to figure out how to take him out of the basketball game and Penn State is going to be, you know, in real trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're on the we're on the same wavelength today because that was actually my third point was over-reliance on Jalen Pickett. I mean, we, we listed out the reasons why he's he's such a special player, but at the same time, you you got to have those guys around him that, that contribute enough. They have three players averaging over 10 points per game this season. They only have four averaging more than seven. I think Cam Winter averages about seven, seven and a half points per game. So it's it's largely been two or three guys running the show offensively and, and carrying the load of, of scoring, and most nights it's been Jalen Pickett. So there's there's absolutely, I, I think down the stretch here, going to gonna come a time where they're going to need someone like Andrew Spunk, someone like Cam Winter. Maybe it's Kanye Clary getting more minutes that's going to have to have a bigger role offensively in getting this team out of a, out of a drought. Uh, Miles Dread even he's he's been in pretty pretty streaky this year uh, more so than than years past. They're gonna have to find a way for to manufacture offense from someone outside of Jalen Pickett. Mm-hmm. Coaches coaches these days are, are too good. There's too much you know that they can look into and in, in slowing a player down. So that that's absolutely a big concern down the stretch. And and if he is gonna have to carry you know the brunt of the offense, you know is is it sustainable? I don't I, I don't know. I don't I mean he's he's not proven that he's gonna slow down at any time, but there, there's always that chance where, especially in a grueling league like the Big Ten, he's just going to wear himself out. And by the time they get to the Big Ten tournament, there's just not going to be enough left in the tank to play every single night. Man, am I glad you brought up Kanye Clare. Because <laughs> when I look at what Penn State needs alongside Pickett, is they need another ball handler who's able mm-hmm. to take some pressure off of him. Uh, I think Winter, I think he's been a bit of a disappointment this year. I will say that between stepping up in competition and the change in the role that he has had. When he was at Drexel, he was their point guard. He was the straw that stirs the drink. His conference only assist rate numbers as a freshman, he was second in the, in uh, the conference, sophomore, third, junior year, first senior year, first. He's been asked to do something he's not used to this year. And I am empathetic to that. But I also think that we've seen too many moments where he kind of gets into no man's land in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of a defense mm-hmm. and just isn't sure exactly what to do. He's, you know, there's some open threes that you'd like him to hit and he just hasn't been able to connect on them. He's at 33.8% on threes this year, 48.3% on twos, which among Penn State's, uh, you know, among Penn State's guys who play major minutes, that is the lowest mark of anyone uh, on the team. That three-point percentage, the only guy who plays major minutes for Penn State who was lower is Kevin Jai, who shot five of them this year. So what I would say is that he's had a nice game or two, but it hasn't been enough. And I think Kanye Clary brings something to Penn State's backcourt where 
Penn State's offense is at its best when the ball is moving quickly, when you have someone who, you know, we talked about Pickett and his ability to attract the defense from the post and create these scramble drills for a defense and these four-on-three situations on the perimeter. Clary isn't good at that because he's 5'11", but he's really quick with the ball in his hands and good at penetrating a defense. And if in these last couple of games he can – penetrate a defense get them to collapse and then either have some consistency with that little floater of his you know i think he's so confident in his ability that he sometimes forgets that he's you know a foot shorter than dudes and he gets met at the rim by big fellows and runs into problems but if he can get a defense to collapse kick it out to seth lundy in a corner kick it out to miles dread in the corner and let that part of penn state's basketball's offense happen i think that's a really big boost i think if andrew funk you know, he's only shot 64 twos this season, but there have been plenty of moments where Pickett's gravity has drawn guys onto him. Funk's guy helps off. Pickett gets the ball out. That's a hard closeout. He can take a dribble into a two. I know they want him launching threes, but I think he can just, he can get a little bit closer to the rim. He can get closer to the rim than he maybe thinks sometimes. Uh, or if he just wants to let a fly from three, whatever. Seth Lundy, if Seth wants to use that big physical frame of his and get to the rim a little bit more, you know, 55.2% on twos, that's not particularly, that's not especially far behind where Pickett is uh, in terms of two-point field goal percentage. So I think they just need someone. They need someone so these games where, uh, you know, Pickett's get having a usage rate in the 40s, are falling down a little bit and they're able to diversify their offense a little bit and get something from somewhere else. Because I would like, don't get me wrong. I am happy to see Jalen Pickett God mode happen for as much as possible, but I, I, it just makes me feel queasy. It's weird because I'm sure you're like me. I have full faith in his ability, but like, it's, I'm just always going to be worried that the other shoe is going to drop. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, there's a, two for 17 in there and Penn state loses to Northwestern as a result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a huge worry where just like the, the, the brain is still working, you know, he's still the player, but the, but the legs just go because at this point in the season, he's had to do so much um, for them offensively. And yeah, to your point about Kanye Clary and, and, and Cam winter, I think they're almost missing someone a little bit like Sam Sessoms. Yeah. And just at, at various points, take take over for a four or five minute stretch and get you a couple of buckets, get to the lane, you know, drive and kick, whatever it may be. Just someone like that. And I think we've we've seen it in, in flashes from Cam Winter. Um, but obviously, I, I'd agree with you. He's been a little bit disappointing this year. I think the, the elevation in, in getting to the Big Ten play from from where he was before at Drexel, I think, is, has just been a little bit more challenging um, for him maybe than, than the staff expected. And. And Andrew Funk, I, I'm with you. I think I've seen I've seen drives, particularly in the first Illinois game, where he was just getting to the rim, really, really well. And I was like, why can't he do that more often? I know you want, like you said, you want him to to hang around the three point line because that's his bread and butter, is 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 getting a lot of threes. But he can be a guy who can can drive the ball a little bit more. So yeah, I think it's going to have to come from someone. Maybe it is again Kanye Clary, who just has has provided that spark these recent games. Maybe it is Cam Winter, you know, kind of getting back to, to where, you know, we, we expected him to be or, you know, Andrew Funk taking a little bit more responsibility in terms of getting get, getting to the basket. So I think 
there there are options for them. It's just a question of can someone step up and do it and and help out Jalen Pickett on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, last year with Pickett and Sesums, there were a few too many possessions that kind of felt like your turn, my turn, mm-hmm. your turn, my turn. Yep. But boy, I would I would really appreciate it if there was someone who could take a turn or yeah. three away from Pickett just so he can have some time to you know, hang out in the corner and rest, especially with how he's uh, taking a step forward as a three-point shooter. Like, again, 37.8% on threes from Jalen Pickett. Like, I don't know what else you can ask for out there. Uh, my last thing, and this is more just kind of a general philosophical college basketball thing, Vincent, is mm-hmm. I'm worried that they might have dug the hole a little too deep by this point. And what I mean by that is Penn State, as of right now, is, again, 58th in net, which we know the committee looks at in the big way. 50th in Ken Palm, a thing the committee looks at. Uh, last year, the lowest automatic qualifier in Ken Palm was Rutgers at 77th. So there is a way for Penn State to make it in. Mm-hmm. But if memory serves, that Rutgers team also had some uh, – yeah, they also ended the season quite hot. So, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? I'm a little bit worried, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here because it's very possible that I am. I'm a little bit worried that Penn State has just cost themselves a few too many opportunities. You mentioned that Clemson loss. Here are some of their losses this year. Virginia Tech, 70th in Ken Palm. Clemson, 84th in Ken Palm. Michigan, 49th. Wisconsin, 71st. Nebraska, 91st. Wisconsin, 71st. Their best wins in Ken Palm were against an Indiana team that, if memory serves, were down several starters. Mm -hmm. uh, And Penn State just went in there and whooped up on them. And then two wins over Illinois. I think beating Rutgers and beating Maryland would both help in a big way there. I'm just a little bit worried that if Penn State has is going to be in a pot with seven other teams and the 12 other teams, if you want to go uh, all the way, 12 other teams, and there has to be four of them who make it, I'm a little bit concerned, unless they go on some insane run to end this season, that they are going to have, they have done enough to make it in almost regardless again if they ended the season on a six game winning streak that or six games of winning streak win a couple games of the big 10 tournament that's one thing but the margin for error is just so thin right now and that really scares me yeah yeah i'm right there with you i think it, it's going to take winning three of four and even then that might not be enough just because the games you mentioned the virginia tech games the clemson the both wisconsin games uh you know th- those kind of games where Again, I keep going back to it. It's just in my head. The Wisconsin home game is like you you take that one-point lead with three whatever change to go. You have all the momentum. Okay, you, you Seth Lundy hits a miracle shot to get you to overtime. How how do you not pull that game out is, is beyond me. So even if you win that one, you win two of those, half of those games that, that we mentioned, you're in a much, much better spot than you are now where now you're at the mercy of the committee to kind of – see what they value um and and you're going to need a couple more quality wins so that's why like you mentioned the the margin for error down the stretch here is is so thin they probably have to win three of these four and it might be four out of four we we obviously don't know um but yeah it it there are there were opportunities there that 
when when we look back at this season and, and if they're on the wrong side of the bubble, we're going to say, man, that if that game goes differently, this, this whole season might, might go differently. Yeah, I mean, if they take care of business against Virginia Tech, against Clemson, against Wisconsin twice, and uh, yeah, we'll just say those four. Suddenly mm-hmm. we're look, looking at a Penn State team that has seven losses yep. on the season. A Penn State team that is 20 and seven right now and has 10 wins in the Big Ten. And it's like, man, or has, uh, is nine and seven in the Big Ten. It's like, man, this team's on the easy street. Like we're, we're booking flights. We're booking mm-hmm. hotel rooms at this point. It, it, it stinks, but all you could do is win the games that are ahead of you. Yep. Ohio State, Rutgers, Northwestern, Maryland. We'll end on this, Vincent. Final four games of the season. How do you think they're going to end up going? I I actually do think they take three or four. I, okay. I, I think this team is is playing some of their better basketball at the right time. I think they beat Ohio State on Thursday. I, I think they win their home games uh, against Rutgers and Maryland. And uh, if even if they lose to, to one of those teams, I, I think they beat Northwestern. I mean, again, I, I hate to keep – dogging on Northwestern but I from what I've seen from Northwestern I've watched them a couple different times this year they just they don't pass the eye test to me um, and I don't think the metrics are, are very high on them either there's there's no reason Penn State couldn't have been Northwestern this season you know get a get a top 25 ranking somehow you know get get a top six seed in the Big Ten just because the Big Ten's a little down this year so so I'm gonna say they win three or four um, down the stretch here. I think they win one or two in the Big Ten tournament, but I still don't know if that's enough to, to get them in um, when, when everything is, is, is settled here. Yeah, I, I think they beat Ohio State. They better beat Ohio State. I'm going yeah. to be at that basketball game, and they better not lose to Ohio State with me in attendance, or else I am, I'm, I'm just going to be a huge pain in the ass. That, that team, you mentioned it earlier, that team has kind of quit on Chris Holtman. He's, he's, he's going to be fired at the end of the season, so there's, there's really no reason they should, they should be losing this game. Yeah, there was a, their like veteran leader, uh, their big man, Zed Key, uh, Holtman said that there's going to be a decision between he and his family because he re-aggravated his shoulder injury, and that's basically like the last hope that they have mm-hmm. is that guy comes back. So I think they win that game. I think they lose to Rutgers, and then – it comes down to Northwestern and Maryland, and uh, even then, Rutgers has been a Rutgers has struggled lately. Again, lost three of their last four. Defense has been a bit leaky. Nebraska mm-hmm. put up eighty-two on them in New Jersey. Oof. So, listen, it's all there for the taking. I'll say three of four, just because that's cowardice. <laughs> and once this team gets into tournament play, man, their final game is going to be on their final regular season game is going to be on Sunday. They might not. They might get three, four days off in between games, and let me tell you this: a rest. This Penn State team rested in tournament play. Mm-hmm. It has the potential to do some really dangerous things, because when you are so dependent on threes, one-offs with you in them can get very, mm-hmm. very weird. And I think this team has. I think this team is built potentially. Uh, depending on how their draws work, but they, you know, they see Zach Eady in their second game. I'm not going to like their chances, but I think this team is built for tournament basketball if they're not going to get sized off the floor. And yeah, I mean, it's all you, all you can ask for right now is a chance, man. Right now, Penn State basketball is a chance. And again, this is the first time we've been able to say that in a while. Uh, Any final things you want to say before I wrap us up and get us out of here? Um, no, I mean it's it's going to be an enjoyable uh, couple of weeks. It's going to be excruciating, I think, um, unless they lose to Ohio State on Thursday, and then the season probably is pretty much over for the NCAA tournament. But 
I, I think it can be exciting, and, and I think to your point, outside of Purdue, I, there's not a team in the Big Ten that I go, if I see them in the Big Ten term, I go, oh, man, I don't, I don't see how we're going to beat them. Maybe somehow Wisconsin, because we can never beat Wisconsin. But, but, but again, outside Purdue, I, I just don't see anybody in the Big Ten that truly, truly scares me in, in a tournament environment. A healthy Indiana doesn't do that to you? No, I, I, Penn State always plays Indiana tough, and, and I, I just think Penn State, you know, Indiana was, was missing some guys the first time around, but I still they still don't scare me as much as a Purdue team huh. with, you know, Zach Eady just doing whatever he wants down low, essentially. Yeah. But but I, I, I do think Indiana's good. I just don't see them in the same light as I see Purdue. Yeah, well, listen, from your mouth to God's ears, brother, let's, uh, let's win the Big Ten tournament. Thank you, everyone, yeah. for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roars. Make sure, always make sure you're uh, going wherever you go to get your podcast and subscribe. Use Apple Podcasts. Please go and leave us a five-star review. If you're on YouTube, hop into the comments section. Have some fun. Talk about Penn State with other folks. Usually Penn State football. Talk about Penn State basketball this time because, well, that's what this podcast is about. Make sure you're following us on our Twitter account, at ROR blog. Make sure, uh, yeah, just keeping up with everything we have going on. Thank you one more time to Homefield Apparel. Again, promo code ROARLIONSROAR. One word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. And one last time, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of the podcast. For Vincent Lingaro, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.